Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. Thank you for listening today. Uh, as always, go check out the top 200 study guide I have put together. It's a 31-page PDF. Uh, it's a great review uh, if you're taking any pharmacology classes or board exams or anything in relation to that. Uh, definitely a great refresher of some of the most important clinical pearls from practice as well as things that are likely to be tested on from my experience. Uh, if you're out in practice, it's also a great little refresher to make sure you're up to speed uh, on the uh, latest top 200 drugs. So again, take advantage of that. Uh, Reallifepharmacology.com, simply an email uh, will get you access to that. All right, the drug of the day today is fluvastatin. Brand name of this medication is Lescol. Uh, this medication is used to lower cholesterol, uh, primarily with a focus on uh, LDL. And it works, it is a statin medication, it works by inhibiting HMG-CoA reductase. Uh, if you remember, that is a very important enzyme uh, that is responsible for essentially the production of cholesterol and LDL. Uh, dosing of this medication. So uh, you, you may not be terribly familiar with fluvastatin because it's not a commonly used statin. Uh, the big reason being is uh, it is not uh, a high-intensity statin. So if we need, if we've got patients at high risk for uh, cardiovascular disease or they've had a heart attack, stroke, things of that nature, and we need more aggressive uh, cholesterol-lowering therapy, uh, fluvastatin is not going to be it. And so you're much more likely to see atorvastatin and rosuvastatin uh, used instead of fluvastatin. With that said, I have seen it uh, definitely occasionally used. Uh, it does cover... Uh, low intensity uh, LDL lowering as well as moderate intensity LDL lowering. Uh, if you've seen charts of these comparing statins, um, you'll note that fluvastatin 20 to 40 milligram dosing range uh, is considered to be lower intensity. Uh, and if you recall, lower intensity means an LDL reduction of less than 30%. Uh, Fluvastatin does have um, moderate intensity coverage, so that reduction in LDL uh, falls in the range of 30 to 49% reduction in LDL. And the dose of fluvastatin that covers that is 80 milligrams. So, again, not going to see it used incredibly often um, because it is only uh, mild to moderate LDL reduction. We don't have that high intensity. Uh, focus that we have with some of the other statins. Uh, talking drug interact, uh, excuse me, adverse effects a little bit here first. Um, uh, muscle pain, myopathy, that is probably the most common thing I've heard patients report or be concerned about. Um, there are definitely uh, multiple strategies uh, to kind of address this. Uh, so if that pain is just mild to moderate, more in the nuisance type category, um, we could reduce the dose for a period of time, or we could potentially switch that patient to a different statin. Um, I've always been in the camp, at least at this point, to switch to uh, an opposite uh, felicity statin. So uh, fluvastatin is considered lipophilic. Uh, so in the event that 
somebody was started on fluvastatin and they didn't tolerate it, um, I'd be of the mindset to switch them to a hydrophilic satin. Um, good examples there being pravastatin or rosuvastatin. Um, so that is definitely an option uh, if a patient experiences adverse effects as well. Uh, in the event somebody has severe myopathy, um, possibly progressing to uh, rhabdomyolysis and renal failure, which is a rare adverse effect from statins, uh, in that situation, um, naturally that's a very, very serious situation and we're going to discontinue uh, the medication altogether. Uh, other adverse effects, uh, there are some nuisance adverse effects reported, um, headache, uh, fatigue, possibly some stomach upset. Um, can't say I've seen them a ton out in practice, but uh, they have been reported in the literature a little bit. Uh, other things that are not incredibly common, uh, hepatic impairment uh, has been associated uh, with statins. So if you see any signs or symptoms clinically that they, that may be an issue, um, certainly we can monitor LFTs there. Um, slight potential risk in increasing diabetes. Uh, this is, I would still consider it maybe a little bit controversial. Um, you know, depending upon the drug, depending upon the dosage, um, there's still some, some info to kind of be figured out, in my opinion, with the studies on this. Um, but I will say it is something to, you know, pay attention to and, and to pay note to uh, in our patients because they likely will uh, bring up that question. Uh, the FDA did remove the true contraindication in pregnancy um, for using statins. Um, in general, we're going to avoid statins in pregnancy, um, but there may be some clinical situations where a you know risk versus benefit discussion may be had with patients. And that's ultimately why the FDA uh, removed that true contraindication. Um, so again, that, that's uh, somewhat recent within the last two or three years here that that's been released. Uh, some of the kinetics associated uh, with this medication, uh, it is a lipophilic statin. So again, I alluded to um, recognizing that fact and if patients have adverse effects, potentially switching over to a hydrophilic statin. Uh, enzyme and, and metabolism. CYP2C9 is the primary enzyme that breaks this medication down. Um, there are a few other CYP enzymes that do play a role to a lesser extent, uh, but CYP2C9 is the most prominent one that fluvastatin is going to be uh, broken down by. Uh, monitoring parameters, um, LDL, that's kind of a, a no-brainer. We're going to look to get that LDL reduction. Uh, hopefully you've got a goal in mind that you want to get that patient to. And hopefully, if we're using fluvastatin, um, you've recognized that uh, fluvastatin is only going to get it down um, likely in that 30 to at most 49% uh, reduction in that range. So uh, definitely recognize that. Um, other monitoring things uh, in addition to you know lipid panel LDL, uh, if patients experience that significant myopathy or severe myopathy, uh, C CPK may be indicated in that situation to make sure that that's not elevated. Uh, that can be indicative of potential damage and uh, rhabdomyolysis. Uh, 
Uh, in addition to that, if, if patients are uh, potentially with that diagnosis of rhabdomyolysis, we're going to uh, uh, check renal function there as well. So that'd be creatinine. Uh, may also do a, do a urinalysis uh, to make sure we check for that uh, myoglobinuria. Uh, then last but not least, I wanted to mention to avoid um, inactive liver disease. That is a contraindication. Um, so that's an important note there. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material like NAPLEX, BCPS, geriatrics, ambulatory care, or others, go check out meded101.com store. We've got a growing list of resources there. Uh, in addition, if you're another healthcare professional, uh, we've got books available on Amazon uh, for pharmacy technicians, nursing folks, uh, med students, PAs, nurse practitioner, uh, all sorts of different uh, levels of education that we have available uh, at meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. All right, let's wrap up with drug interactions. So first and foremost, I think about medications that are going to increase the risk of uh, myopathy and potentially that progression to rhabdomyolysis. So fibrates are, are a big one. Um, that may increase that risk. Niacin has been reported to increase that risk as well. Uh, daptomycin, uh, an antibiotic for infection, has been associated with an increased risk there as well. Uh, and then I alluded to the metabolism of fluvastatin. Uh, it is primarily broken down by CYP2C9. So if you've got a CYP2C9 inhibitor, uh, that's going to likely raise concentrations and make toxicity more likely. So uh, classic CYP2C9 inhibitor uh, is fluconazole or diflucan. Uh, so that can significantly raise those concentrations of flu fluvastatin. On the flip side, uh, CYP2C9 inducers uh, can lower concentrations and make that LDL not quite as uh, responsive, not reduce that LDL as much as we'd like. Uh, rifampin is always kind of the classic example of an enzyme inducer at CYP2C9 and other enzymes for that matter. Um, but with that said, uh, that's going to lead to potentially reduced concentrations of fluvastatin. Uh, and then last but not least, um, red yeast rice uh, is basically considered, uh, you know, an over-the-counter herbal supplement of, of that realm. Um, this potentially has some uh, activity similar to statins, and when we add it on top of statins, uh, we can increase the risk for adverse effects and toxicity like uh, myopathy, for example. So um, definitely important that your patients don't take that on top of their statin medication. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. I greatly appreciate you listening. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please do us a huge favor. Leave us a rating, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. Um, and go so support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. All your purchases there go directly to support this podcast. So I greatly appreciate that. Please share us with friends, colleagues, uh, any healthcare professional that's looking to enhance their pharmacology education, uh, whether that be an email listserv or social media or whatever the case may be. 
Um, you guys sharing has uh, grown this audience to um, greater heights than I ever would have anticipated. So um, I greatly appreciate that. And um, if you've got a, a spare moment, I would greatly appreciate you sharing it with some of your other colleagues. With that said, if you want to track me down, uh, mededucation101 at gmail.com. Or you can find me on LinkedIn as well, Eric Christensen, FarmD, BCPS, BCGP. With that, I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a great rest of your day.